welcome to VIP Boxing's Bell to Bell podcast, episode 74. Um, you're watching on YouTube, Spotify, also there, iTunes. Leave us a review and that would be great. And if you could subscribe to VIP Boxing's YouTube channel, even better. Woody Abiso or Steve Wood, the chief of VIP, will be made up. Um, I'm Steve Lillis. With me as usual, we've got co-pilot John Evans, familiar poster behind him of one of the many iconic fights that he sits there and watches all night. And with us this week, one of the prospects from the VIP stable, well, maybe, I don't know if you call him a prospect, he's working his way through nicely, getting up to eight, ten round standard pretty soon. He's coming back off a little setback. Luke Evans, how are you, Luke? And thanks for joining us. No, my pleasure. Um, really well, thank you. Hope you both uh, keep him well and uh, enjoying the boxing recently. Some yeah, bigger... It's been a lot of it. It's been a lot of it, mate. Um, as I mentioned, you had a bit of a minor setback um, recently. You had to yeah. dwell on it too much. You, you've got back. You're back on the halls pretty quick, I understand. And I saw you was with um, with your trainer Matthew Hatton on social media today. Like you were sitting around the desk with a pen and paper. You looked like you was back at sixth form or something. Where yeah, everyone like- else had bunked off, and you and Campbell Hatton, the only ones that turned up at school for the afternoon. The table was that big. Yeah, it was like being back at school. Uh, we trained early this morning and uh, after training, we went to Matt's house and uh, we discussed our previous fights, uh, where we can improve, where we can, you know, work on things, aspects in our game. And uh, I pinpointed a few things myself. Matthew pinpointed a few things. And uh, we've got time now before I'm back in the ring to, you know, work on those them things that almost cost me in that fight, in my last fight. It was a was a tough fight for a six-rounder. It was like 10 rounds of action crammed into six. I suffered two knockdowns, got up, and even gave a better account of myself. So a couple of boxes ticked. Like I said, I can't dwell on it. Uh, I wanted to be out quite quick again, and I've got this uh, this opportunity now to fight in my hometown as well. So, yeah, I'm buzzing. I'll tell you what, Luke, that was the best draw you could get, wasn't it, really, you know? It- if, yeah. if you've not seen it, people watching this have not seen it, I'm sure there'll be a, a video up somewhere. It's a hell of a fight. But yeah. we were talking. The week before it, you mentioned The week before fight. the fight, we were on this show and John Pegg was on. And we were say, I was saying, you know, Luke's phenomenally talented. And we said, but there comes a point with all these young fighters where they get hit, they might touch down, and then you see how much they really want it. And yeah. that's exactly what we saw, Luke, wasn't it? God almighty. You showed exactly how much you wanted it that night. Awesome. I think if that possibly could have been an eight-rounder, uh, I think he may have touched down himself. I mean, he was he was hurt quite a lot in the fight. And and I won't deny that I wasn't hurt because that second knockdown, I was really hurt. The first one was a flash one, but the second one, I was really hurt. So I had to show uh, true grit and, and show me character and show I'm not just some skinny, clean boxer. You know, I had to dig deep and it became a little bit gritty. But I will say something, Lou. It looked to me, and it's probably the same for a lot of prospects. Um, you came out looking to impress... And it, it, the, the pressure on you must be phenomenal, really. You must, all week they were saying, what an opportunity, what an opportunity, or this is where my career could change. It, when you boxed, you boxed his head off. Yeah. When you got involved, it became a war because he could fight and he could punch. But exactly. did you yeah. feel that pressure before the opening bell to put on a show? You know what? I think fighting at the arena, it's a massive event in itself. Um, but like I said, it's the people around at ringside. It's the people you want to impress there. The eyes are on you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for someone else who's probably going to be in a similar position, my best advice to them would be, 
you know, don't think about who's outside the ring. Think about what you need to do to get the win. And unfortunately, I started off a little bit too eager and that later cost me down the line. Um, whereas if you like just referred to, then if I would have just boxed him, got back, got behind my jab, went back to basics, would have been an easy night's work for me. I just didn't want to make it boring. And obviously I wanted to make it a fight. Mission, ac- it was- mission accomplished there, Jesus. Yeah, it was a fight down <laughs> All right, all right, then we'll, we'll kick off with this. And you mentioned the word um, having to show grit. And round one, John, have you got your bell and everything ready? ready to go, yeah. You're talking about TV for free and someone boxing on TV who's got to show some grit this weekend. Yeah, really, I tell you, what, I'm looking forward to this one. Some fights jump out at you, don't they? And um, Linus Adolfi and my mate Denzel Bentley, who we seem to speak about a lot on here, I think it's a great fight for a British middleweight title. They're both exciting. They can both punch. Um, they've both got knockout power. Udolfi has stopped decent people like John Harding. We've seen Denzel stop decent people on this build-up. Um, and this will mean the world to them both. Denzel, you could say it's a bit of a crossroads fight. If he loses to Udolfia, huh. after losing to Cash, he's, he's in a bit of a tricky position. Maybe Udolfia is the one who can afford to lose. But I just think it's really good that Channel 5 are showing such a prestigious title it could be absolute fireworks. And whoever wins, they're made for TV, aren't they? Big personalities will capture a bit of the imagination of the people who are watching. I, I can't wait for it. You know, I think it's a, a real, one of the standout domestic fights of the year so far, this one. Luke? Yeah, I think it's a great fight between two really good upcoming fighters. I mean, I know Denzel Bentley's uh, suffered a setback draw himself with uh, Mark Efron and the loss against Felix Cash, but he, I'd like to feel like he's been at the higher level compared to um, uh, Linus Sudofia, who's who's 17 fights in, nine KOs, so he's got a, a respectable record, and he's won an English title as well, so he's looking to make that step up. It's a really interesting fight, a good clash of styles. Uh, Bentley can hit as well. He's 13 KOs in his fights, so you know it's going to be an interesting one, and I think the boxing fans are the, are the winners of this one. It's going to be a good fight. Yeah, I love I love the fight. I just touched on something you said, John. Um, when you told me you're going to mention this subject, I had a quick look when he lost to Felix Cash, and there's no way Denzel at this stage of his career can afford two losses in 13 months at this level. Absolutely no way. If he loses this, his only way of staying in the picture is getting thrown in somewhere in an 80-20 fight against him. But you know what? I really hope the fight lives up to what we all expect because you think Channel Five. I know where Mick Hennessy shows. They were getting a million viewers, some of them. So they're going to get a million viewers there most probably this Friday. That'll be the most watched fight in Britain so far this year, in my guess, because everything else has been subscription and pay-per-view. And I'll tell you what, Channel 5 have picked good fights. Those million viewers have had some treats, haven't they? They've had the Dil Magani fights. They've had Sam Eggington. They seem to have had fight of the year for three years in a row. And they might have another one here. It's a great start for Wasserman. I mean, I think Mick was unlucky to... Somehow it seems like he's lost the, the deal he had there, but... Wasserman have got a big chance here and a big audience. And, you know, they're selling the fights well enough, the way they're using social media. So, you know, they could get even bigger viewing figures than what Hennessy Sports are getting. I mean, it's got a good little undercard undercard too. Uh, Sean um, against uh, Harlem Eubank, which is a good clash of styles too. So it's going to be an interesting show, that. Round two, uh, over to myself. Just go back in time. I'll tell you what I thought of this. Larry Holmes, Jerry Cooney. It's 40 years 
in a couple of few more next month, I think, since they first fought. And uh, they're over in Britain next week doing, or later this week, next week, doing a few dinner shows. And I just wondered where you guys thought, I know it's mythical almost, where they might stand in boxing today. You know, you look back at Cooney's career and, you know, you I go back to that. I'm a lot older than you two, so I can remember that fight so clearly. And I think it was Dennis Rappaport who had Cooney, Don King had, had Holmes. And they really brought in bad racial overtones for that fight. Things you would never get away with and shouldn't in these days. But you know what? I just wonder where they, where they would be. Obviously, uh, Larry won that, I think, the 13th round in a really, really good fight. You know, but how good was Cooney, maybe? He could punch, he jabbed well, yeah, he could throw combinations. Norton was past his best, but he got him out of the way brutally. You know, he stopped Jimmy Young, albeit on cuts, but I think Ernie Shea was the only other man to do that. I just wonder where you thought they might measure up today, I'm, I'm, particularly you, Jones. I know you're you're big on all these 80s guys. Holmes would be at the top, wouldn't he? Yeah. Holmes would be right there, right in the mix of it all. Um a lot of people say he's one of the greatest top five of all time, don't they? And he, Holmes would be right up there. But Cooney's the interesting one. I'll tell you one fight which would definitely, definitely get made. The clash of two fighters with Irish backgrounds, you would get Fury against Cooney. Yeah. Talking at each other, the build-up would be great and it'd be, a, it'd be an entertaining fight, wouldn't it? Cooney would certainly go down swinging. I, I think Cooney would have the beating of a lot of these guys. Yeah, I do. I think he's probably underrated a little bit. I remember... Yeah, definitely. The, the videos I've watched of that fight, a lot of people didn't give him a chance, did he? You know, you, you had people picking him for certain reasons, but I think the actual boxing fans thought Holmes would go through him. But Cooney actually fought really yeah. well, didn't he, until it got turned around. And I think he I think he would probably be doing a little bit... He would certainly have a beating of people like White. That's what yeah. I would say. So you can put him top five modern day, can't you? Do you go back that far, John? Do you, do you study these two at all? I mean, sorry, Luke. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Larry Holmes, uh, definitely. I mean, Larry Holmes' is jab, the Eastern assassin, you know. Um, if you don't know Larry Holmes, you don't really know boxing. I mean, going looking back at the fundamentals of boxing, the jab is the key. And Larry Holmes had one of the best jabs of all time. And uh, he was a brilliant heavyweight, boxed at a very high standard, won lots of world titles. And he beat the greatest, in my opinion, Muhammad Ali. So, uh, yeah, he was a brilliant fighter. And, uh, and Jerry Cooney, again. He's another great fighter who's, uh, who used his left arm a lot, used his left hand a lot. Yeah, done some great work with his left hand, left uppercuts, left hooks to the body and head. And uh, yeah, it would have been interesting to see uh, how they'd fare in this generation. I don't know how they'd really fare in this generation, but if you're looking at the fighters now, it's like Tyson Fury, you know, I think Tyson Fury could kind of be in the 80s if that made sense. Yeah. I'm not sure if Larry Holmes or Jerry Cooney could be in the... Uh, the 2020s of boxing, I'm, I'm, I just couldn't see it. Possibly Larry, but yeah. So you're going to keep talking. You're, you're earning your, your bag of wine gums we're going to send you for this, Lucas. You, one of your first topics was Kel Brooks. So you just talk about him for three minutes and John uh -huh. and myself will sit here and listen. We might come in. Yeah, Kel Brook. Wow, what a career he had. Uh, boxed some amazing fighters. And he, he, he'd done it the hard way. He came up through the British route, won a British title. Uh, I, mem I remember Kel Brook's first fight when he boxed uh, Michael Jennings. Yeah. That was the first I remember uh, of Kel Brook. And uh, ever since, I've been a fan. I know he boxed my my trainer, Matthew Hatton. Uh, Matthew went the distance with him, which is a, a good achievement in itself because Kel can bang. He's a heavy puncher. And it was I think it was billed as the War of the Roses, uh, I believe. Yeah, Sheffield, yeah. 
Yeah, and uh, Cal Brook, yeah, he was a very experienced fighter. And, you know, I think he's called it in at the right the right time now, personally. I don't want to see him fight again. Um, and he's had that defining victory as well against Amir Khan. And that is, in my opinion, the cherry on top of the cake. I'd like to see him bow out now. Um, you know, the money sometimes talks. But uh, as a fighter, as a person, as a fan of boxing, I wouldn't like to see him fight again. I think he's made the right call. I don't, I'm certainly won't fight again. We were talking about it the other week. I was fortunate enough to be with him at a fight overseas. Well, was it a couple of months ago I mentioned this, John? Yeah. Um, about a month, about four weeks after the calm fight. And then he turned down six million to fight Eubank. So he's been stringing these promoters along, giving them mad prices. And in the end, they've all given up. He, see, he's turned down six million to fight Eubank. I'm absolutely delighted he's retired. And as you say, the Khan win was the icing on the cake for much of his career. It was in the shadow of Khan, pretty much like Junior Winterwoods with Ricky, really, you know, um, maybe not to that extent because you know, he had a lot more success than, than Junior. What, what do you think, John? You know what? Kel's been... I, I was at that fight when he fought Michael Jennings. Yeah, I was, really, yeah. Really good win because Jennings could fight, couldn't he? But yeah. I was just thinking about Kel Square and that fight with Matthew Hatton. I was there then as well. Yeah. And that was like right at the start of his Sky Sports era, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Kel was one of the first fighters Matchroom signed and he's been there right the way through, you know, to arena shows, selling out um, Grandma Lane for Errol Spence. Um, yeah. Fair play to Kel, but, you know, he bubbled under the surface a little bit. He didn't get the fights we wanted. There was a period there, three years maybe, where he wasn't matched properly. And I think his peak probably just about passed him by. But for someone who didn't get the fights he wanted, he's ended up fighting some of the best of his era and, and doing himself proud. And yeah, I, I'm glad he's not sacrificing his body for the sake of a few extra quid as well. Yeah. The British box. Um, round four, John, over to you. Um, boxer, a boxer's obsessed with moving up. Do you know what? It's not so much the boxers who are obsessed with moving up. I'm getting sick of these people on Twitter with the thumbs hovering over the phone watching the fights, slagging off people for not moving up in weight. What's wrong with just dominating your division for years? What's wrong with it? Look at Marvin Agler. No one slags off Marvin Agler for not picking up a super middleweight title, do they? I honestly think if you can hold your weight for seven, eight years and be the man, all comers can't beat you at that weight. That's way more of an achievement than moving up and down, picking up belts, picking out weak champions and, and just adding these trophies to your legacy. I, I think there's much more to be said for being the man at a weight division than there is just picking out a weak challenger. But the one that got me on this one was I saw someone at weekend, Terence Crawford said, oh, I wonder who's pound for pound number one. And people were criticising Terence Crawford for not moving up to middleweight to fight Golovkin. You, you move up to middleweight and fight Golovkin and then you can call yourself number one. Crawford's come up from lightweight. Uh, yeah. People are just idiots, basically, and let people dominate the weight class they're born to be in. Luke. There you go. Good rant, that, for you. Very good. <laughs> go on, Luke. I give you can follow that, Luke, because I can't. Yeah, yeah uh, boxers, uh, like, like I said, boxers' obsession, I mean... Some, some like to go up in weight to, to challenge themselves um, and, and set new goals and records. But uh, some people can't make the weight sometimes and they have to go up. And, and some fighters are too lazy to make the weight. But as John said, if you can dominate a division, yeah. like Alvarez did at 168, you know, you, 
you know, you've got to look at other challenges, but how many challenges is there in that weight division? How much financially does it make sense to stay in that division? And, you know, if, you, if you're hearing things like Terence Crawford go up to fight Golovkin, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. As a fan, it's, it's a, it'll be amazing, but, but I don't really want to see that. Um, it just doesn't make sense to me. We have weight divisions for a reason, and if you're comfortable making weight, then why, why? Like, obviously, I, I, I think it's different, but uh, I, I'd stay at the weight. If you're winning fights and you're comfortable at it, you know, you stick at it. If you can't, move up a weight and challenge yourself again. That's it. Maybe you know what I was when they're moving out. Like these guys have been moving from feather and super feather to lightweight and jumping between the weights. I maybe get that a bit more because there's so much money at stake in those divisions, John. That, yeah, that's that, that's I where I will, really whether it's that. a pass out or what, it's just, you know, I, I, I don't have a, too much of an issue with that when they're the featherweights to the lightweights and we've had all this with Lomachenko and the... Round five, a um, bit of another mythical boxing subject I'm bringing up. Talking myths tonight, me, I don't know. Something, uh, must be something in the Scottish air up here. It's about, you know... Who is? Can you still count Canelo as number one, or has Spence got that? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'd say Spence takes over that mantle, given his recent, you know, the people he's beaten at well at the way. Just see, one of the see who you guys have as your top three or four now, particularly you, Luke. Yeah, for me, I'd, I'd have to look at Tyson Fury, possibly. Um, Tyson Fury being number one, I'd say Crawford two, Canelo number three. And Spence number four. That's how I personally see it up to now. Um, based on the fact, Canelo, you know, you could even count Bivol in the top ten now because he's had that defining fight and he's beat the best in my opinion. I thought Canelo was number one. Now Canelo's got beat. Um, you know, you can't really. You, I suppose you could because he's challenged, but you can't really have someone coming off a loss and then still being pound for pound king. Just doesn't make sense to me. So. I'd put Fury number one, um, and then obviously the other fighters in that in that um, position. But so I think I, Spence, Spence needs the Crawford fight, in my yeah. opinion, and he needs to beat Crawford to be the pound for pound champion, in my opinion. Right, I I I'd, I would go Usyk, Crawford, Canelo, Inouye, Spence. And I'd put Usyk number one because he came through um, an absolute murderer's row at cruiserweight, beat them all in the backyards, came up to heavyweight and was sensational beating Joshua with the best final three rounds I've ever seen a fighter pull out. 10, 11, 12, he was out of this world in the toughest bit of his career. So, yeah, Usyk number one. Crawford, I've never seen him come close to losing. He's number two. Canelo's been great, but... Like I said, a bit of picking his opponents. He's, he's gone up and down, splattered him a little bit. In a way, he's outstanding. And uh, Spence, like Luke, I think he needs to beat Crawford. Yeah, you know what? I've run on making my list. I went Spence and then Usyk because of that performance against the Cruiserweight, of course. But um, I thought that performance against Joshua, because everyone, he was brilliant for seven rounds. He had the eighth round where you thought he was falling. You know, there was not, yeah. he didn't show signs he's falling apart. But Joshua suddenly got in his river and he was having to, in that eighth round, Usyk had to, despite the comfort of the win in the end, he was fucking biting on his gum shield and digging deep to find another way and then come yeah. and found it. And then I'll go with Nui. I, 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 still, I still have, I'm having Spence as number one. 
Big shout. Big yeah, shout. Yeah. Does Crawford go number one if he beats him? Yeah, you, you have to. You beat the number one. You've cashed up. I won't rule Fury out against Usyk at all. So he... Final round. We flow through this tonight. Luke, it's over. Do you want to talk about Canelo? What he might do? Yeah, I, I'm just wondering what Canelo's best weight would be. Because, you know, there was talks of Canelo and, and Usyk. And that's came from Eddie Hearn, direct. And, uh, you know... Don't quote me on it, but he said something that he really believes he could beat Usyk. And as much as you want to, you know, be mythical and think about uh, these potential fights, um, these video game fights, as I would call them, where you can put fighters in different weights and things like that, um, I personally think Canelo needs to go back down to super middle. And literally, the, the fighters who are coming up in the divisions there, possibly a Caleb Plant rematch or a Benavidez, that type of, or Zerdo Ramirez, I think he needs to kind of go back down a weight, reassess things, and take on one of those challenges because the the way he's currently at, he's, he's he, I feel like he won't be as effective with his power punching. And I think everyone's kind of known the blueprint now. Canelo throws a lot of arm punches, and uh, you know you're in for a tough, tough long night. But uh, you know that style, Bivol, the style that beat him, you know it, you wouldn't have thought that type of style would beat Canelo. Um, I just thought Bivol was too big for him, if I'm honest, and he took his shots too too good. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you what, you said something there, really, video game fights, that's brilliant. I was thinking today about video game trainers we get in this book now, but I'm not going to start naming them. I've you know, that they on this, to get all the aggro I'll get, but there's a few of them. But no, back, back to Canelo. Um, I just, I'd like to, you know what, Bivol today has suddenly come out, I'll come down to 168 to fight him. So it just yeah. shows Canelo's still the cash cow out there because Bivol knows that light heavyweight and he's phenomenal. You know, we've got to remember he's made eight defences at light heavyweight. Eddie most probably thought Canelo was nailed on the other night because he showed, he showed Canelo a video of the, the, the Spider Richards fight against Bivol, but he made eight defences. And if he goes stays at light heavyweight, all he's got to look forward to is Baturbiev. Yeah. Well, there's nothing like the money he got the other night, <laughs> let alone Canelo. So no wonder he's, he's willing to chop off his toes to make 168. And I think that's the only way Canelo would take the rematch of. What I thought Bivol was brilliant the other night. We talk in boxing about doing the basic, and you all might appreciate this. Um, saying it's a bit more as a, it's a boxer, Luke. Um, doing the basics well. But he did them so well. When he was punching, when when Canelo was on the ropes, and he, there was a clip of a design clip, and... Canelo, he was punching at range from Canelo, and even Canelo threw one back. He was never going to land. Nope. I'll tell you what, Canelo still showed a great chin the other night, I thought. But go on, John, let's get your... Uh, I wonder, I wonder if Bivol, he's had a quiet... That was a, I thought that was a brilliant thing for Bivol to say today. Yeah. A brilliant thing. But I wonder if he's had a quiet moment and he thought, right, what am I going to do next? Right, I, I can either have a horrible night in a Foxwood casino ring in front of 1,800 people against Betterbeef, or I can have a horrible week in a sauna and fight Canelo at 168, and he's, he's gone for the sauna and Canelo at 168, hasn't he? But I, I thought that was a brilliant thing. He's kept the pressure on Canelo. Yeah. Can, it makes it much more difficult for him to avoid a rematch, and it's the biggest fight in boxing. So, yeah. Oh, I quite, at 168. today. Mega. Your, your, your question is greatness now, Canelo. Your question is greatness, whether he'll want, want to be the pound-for-pound pound king or not. Yeah. Well, he's, he's put it right on Canelo's toes, hasn't he? You know, he said, yeah. if, if Canelo had said, oh, light heavyweight's too much, I'm going back down. Well, Bivol said, I'll come with you. 
So we get to Canelo's got a question to answer now. It's a, 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 but that's, a, that is that is Jack. That you say that's the biggest fight in boxing. But Sarah, I felt I mean, I'm, I'm a massive Canelo fan. You know, like I, I, you, I don't think you can can't not be. But all these people saying Canelo dared to be great. Don't you think he's already proved he's fucking great? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I know he's had losses and controversies. You know, the you know the second half of the fight against Mayweather, he was like a little boy lost. He was 22 fucking years of age. You know, might have been 20, 22 when he fought Mayweather. You know, the Lara controversy, you know, but he's already proved he's great. He wasn't daring to be great the other night. I mean, he's already proven he's great. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, it is. They're the standards you've got to live up to, Luke. If you're going to be great, you've got to... Canelo's not great yet, so that's what you've got ahead of you. Wow. I mean, I, I, woke, <laughs> I woke up here 4.30 in the morning and um, watched the fight. So I was fucking wide awake after that. So I'll go for a run. So I've got out early, went out, come back. Thought I'll go for all my Twitter, all the Twitter feed. And what I can't get, just going down off topic here again. I running. Oh, let me just get rid of this. All these people who go up during fights, and every minute they're fucking commenting on the fight. How the fuck can you watch it? <laughs> no, it, no, you can't make scoring it. every uh, round. Um, so you're not listening to what's happening in the corner. How a fighter looks in the corner. They're doing 280 characters every minute. Yeah. Watch the fight. Live for the moment. Enjoy Twitter. We all love Twitter. Live for the moment. Enjoy. You were seeing, you know, the, the, the undisputed king of boxing getting bashed the other night. But more people. Ah, oh, anyway. Yeah. I'm, I'm too old for this game, me, I think. The, the, the same the same people who watch all the events, they go to an event and watch it through the phone. Yeah. Oh, don't get me on that one. Don't get me on that one, John. Go on. <laughs> go on, Lily. Yeah, look. Right, go there, take a picture, but live for the moment. You know, I love music. Yeah. Go there. I'll always take a picture. I love recording where I've been at a concert, though, and I'll take a 30-second clip. Do it for a fight. But they're doing that all through, all through the fights. I mean, how can you not live for the moment? You've paid 60 quid for a ticket. Take a picture of your mates or a 30 second clip, but not all the fight. Why would you pay your 50 quid for? You might as well sit at home on your telly or your computer and put your mobile in front of that. So, so true. Yeah. And the, 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 the thing that always puzzles, puzzles me about that is when, what do we do with it? Do we sit at home and watch it again? <laughs> you, you, you never. Not it, bad and score it. <laughs> yeah. Love we'll five. We've been a bit too savage here tonight, I think, fellas. But, um, Luke, I'll tell you what, you've been a brilliant guest, mate. Luke, Luke's up there with um, Ryan Walsh and Dylan Magani. He's gone into that, that top yeah, four that five, I think. Yeah. Made for yeah. it, Luke. Yeah, no, so we'll have, you back on, we'll have everyone back on every couple of months. So um, around the start of July, before we pack up for the summer, we'll have you back on, Luke, if that's OK. Might even do it after your next fight, because you can tell us then... The week after your next fight, is it middle of June you're boxing next, isn't it? 18th of June at AJ Bell. Yeah, Steve oh, Woodshaw. Yeah, well, we'll have you back on the Monday. I'll write, I'll write it down now. We'll have you back on the Monday after that. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. No, thank you. Thanks. Appreciate that. Are you okay? Anything you want to add, John? Do you want to have another rant? You've had a little bit of a moan tonight. No, nah, I can't think of anything else today. No, it's pretty tame today. No, we had a, had a bit of a quiet one, haven't we? Not one of the all-time rants, but... It just uh, it just drives me mad when the, suddenly this thing now for becoming great has become how many divisions can you do it in? And it's not about that. It's if you're a natural featherweight, like Nassim Hamed was never going to be. He couldn't have gone to super featherweight. He, he might have had the power, was he, but he was too small. Three? 
he, 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 could, he wouldn't have been the same fighter. But if Nassim Ahmed had dominated featherweight for another 18 months, I'm just plucking examples out of thin air. I just think there's something to be said for longevity. Like Luke said, if your body's still allowing you to make the weight, just carry on. Unless there is a, a mega fight challenge that you can comfortably do, but I think there's too many people just jumping, jumping, jumping at the moment. All right, then, yeah. mate. Well, thanks for that, John. Thank you, Luke. Thanks, everyone else who's watching this week. And uh, we'll see Luke. And I think we got... Uh, said he will, I've texted him a couple of weeks ago and he said this was when he could come on. Alex Dilmagani next week. I'm going to get... I'll tell you what he'll talk about. Video trainers. That's the sort of mob he won't have at all, Dilmagani. Yeah. He's proper... <laughs> you, you talk about old school, Luke. This guy This guy should have... Dilmagani should have been around in the 50s, mate. <laughs> he'll take that as a compliment because I know he watches this every week. Yeah. Thanks very much, fellas. Cheers. For all boxing, info, news, and latest interviews, amateur and pro, across and off, click and subscribe. VIP, boxing promotions. Also, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.